you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 10 this morning. We're just preaching right through the book of Mark. We only got 16 chapters and uh, I love this book. It's an active book. It's an action book. It's a book about portraying the Lord Jesus Christ as the greatest servant that ever walked this earth. But He was more than a servant. He's God. I preached on that uh, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Uh, Wednesday had a time. We had a good good service and thank God for... Uh, all of you that attend on Wednesday night, it's a, great, it's a great blessing to go through a book on Wednesday night as well as on Sunday morning. You know, I was thinking about this retreat coming up uh, in uh, April. I hope you can go. There is some big mouth Baptists, I mean uh, bass in, uh, in, uh, in, in Trenton, Georgia. If you want to catch some fish, this place has been broken by Mrs. Trass uh, that uh, used to fish there a lot. And uh, you'll hear some good testimonies from the director. They were going to their mother-in-law's funeral and uh, had a head-on collision by a lady that was distracted by wanting her GPS to talk to her, hit them head-on, and uh, she had to have her leg amputated and all the family was in different hospitals all over Atlanta. It happened up in Dawsonville, near Dawsonville. And um, it's a miracle. It's just a miracle what... God's done in this family, and they direct this camp, Sand Mountain Bible Camp. That's where we're having the retreat. And I looked at a picture and saw Brother Wallace in that circle. And it's three years today, right, Miss Opal? Three years today that Brother Wallace went home to be with the Lord. And uh, she mentioned that uh, in the hallway as she's a, uh, a greeter, and I appreciate Miss Opal's faithfulness. Amen. I sure miss Brother uh, Wallace, but I thought as I looked at that picture, Miss Opal, he's having a better fellowship than any of us. I guarantee you. And he's probably eating better, even though I can't imagine heaven having better roast beef than uh, that men's retreat each year. Amen. I request that. That's my request, uh, roast beef. And then um, uh, we have a great time. We have a good time of fellowship, singing, preaching. Uh, we'll have a guest preacher on Friday night. It's not just about fishing. So if you don't want to fish, just come up at 6 o'clock. Amen. And you don't even have to spend the night. I wish you would spend the night, uh, but a lot of people can't take my snoring. But anyway, it's a semi-private room. It means five in a room. Amen. That's real semi-private. Amen. That's, no, that's not even that's not even semi. That's just no private. Amen. But anyway, it's better than being in bunk beds in a in a dorm. So anyway, and on the retreat, I appreciate Brother Vinny and Miss uh, Tria and all the work they put in on this uh, chili supper. I think thirty-nine people are coming over from New Life uh, to pay us back because we went to the turkey and dressing. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? We got turkey and dressing. They get chili. But, you know, no, ain't no problem with that, amen? Oh, yeah, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. They get a, a cheese sandwich, too, amen? Praise God. But um, we don't charge as much. But uh, we'll have a great time at the retreat. And I want to tell you something I'll never forget, as I wrote in the bulletin, uh, the Thursday night in Decoa, Georgia, that I was preaching. And uh, my wife, never done this since, but she said, please extend the invitation. I feel like there's one of the young people that need to be saved. I said, what? Because I ain't used to taking orders from anybody, you know. But uh, this time I said, okay, we'll do it. And a, and a boy walked that aisle named Randall Foy. Hallelujah. And two hours after he arrived home, he accidentally <laughs> shot himself into eternity. He missed, he missed hell by 24 hours. Amen? And I want to tell you something, that's how important youth camp is. Right. And a lot of people have been called to preach and stirred uh, at youth camp, junior camp. So uh, if you can't come to the Chili Supper, you ought, to give, you ought to give $5, amen, to help scholarship somebody, amen. And I appreciate the Lord blessing yesterday. I'm just telling you, 
that Brother Darrell, a few hours after uh, he had that heart attack, he was scheduled to go to Atlanta, and uh, that'll give you a heart attack. So amen, Brother Al, you drive through it every day. And he was going to go to the Hawks game, and that'll give you a heart attack if they ever score, you know. But, uh, and, uh, you know, he, he would have made it because it was a total blockage in that artery. And uh, he was in the emergency room because of chest pains, and, and, uh, and he was cutting wood. So if any time you have chest pains, don't take a chance. And he had some pain in his, in his jaw and his arms. I was trying to get all the symptoms because I was feeling pretty bad. You know, I appreciate my wife. It was our anniversary yesterday, and I said, and she encouraged me. She said, don't worry, just go to the hospital. Be with them. And that's the way she is. She, she, she always shares me with everybody, and that's what kind of wife, and, that's, and I just want to thank God for her. She's always that way. She always wants me to be with folks and, uh, and uh, be, be there where I'm needed, and that's the kind of wife I have, and I honor her Amen. for putting up with me 45 years. If anybody deserves a Purple Heart, I believe it's a pastor's wife. Yes. And you think about it for a while, amen, because she has to do a lot of things that you don't realize. Uh, she's cooking brownies today for that uh, great supper we're having tonight, amen. I don't even like cheese, but I'm looking forward to it, amen. But anyway, uh, Mark chapter 10, it's a for a good cause, youth camp. Some of you can't make it tonight, uh, just send you money, <laughs> amen. Praise God. I don't mind begging for these bus kids be able to go to camp. Amen? I don't mind a bit. Mark chapter 10, I want to preach a message entitled, A Man Who Went to Hell with Heaven on His Mind. A man that went to hell with heaven on his mind. You know, you never know. When I was sitting by the, standing by the bed praying with Brother Darrell, he looked up at me and said, Brother Wayne, I really thought I was dying. And that got to me. That just got to me. And I tell you what, you never know. and You never know. You're one heartbeat away from eternity. So be ready. And I want to say this. This man was religious. This man was good. This man was very giving. But he was not saved. And he didn't get saved because he was not willing to give his heart to Jesus. And I want to preach just a few minutes on the man who went to hell with heaven on his mind. Let's stand in honor of the Word of God. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 22. Tonight I'll be preaching 22 through 20 through 31, and it's going to be exciting about riches. Everybody wants to hear about riches. I won't tell you about what the Lord says about riches. But uh, it says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and knelt, knelt to him, asked him, Good master, what shall I do, that's a key word, that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said to him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Probably not perfectly. And then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said to him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, Sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and mercy. Thank you, God, for the comfort you give us. I pray, dear God, that you'd bless all those that's been through a rough week. I think about the family. They lost their six-year-old daughter, and 
God the funeral last Monday. And Lord, I think about the couple that lost that baby two, two weeks ago. And Lord, I thank you, dear God, for your grace. Thank you for the grace you gave Miss Kathy yesterday and Brother Darrell and the boys. I pray, God, you'd use this for the furtherance of the gospel. God, I pray that you'd be with uh, uh, all those that are grieving, those that are uh, heart, heartbroken. God, we think of Miss um, uh, Joanne's son-in-law's family and God, Daddy passing away. I pray, God, you'd bless there and touch. I pray, dear Lord, you'd just uh, meet needs that only you can meet. But Lord, most important of all, I pray that all these folks were prepared to go to eternity and go to heaven. Lord, without you, there's a hell waiting people. And Lord, it's going to be terrible. And I thank you for salvation. So Lord, help us to get a burden for the religious but lost this morning. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you teach us through your word and how you stir our hearts to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, no matter how you approach the subject, hell is an awful place. Uh, and unquenchable flames, it's mentioned over 83 times in the Bible, so if you don't believe in hell, throw your Bible in the garbage because it's not real, but it is. 13 times, the greatest preacher that ever touched this earth preached on it, Jesus Christ. So if hell's not real, what's the greatest preacher and the greatest book doing listing all these references to hell? Hell's a place of terrible memory. It's a place of horrible uh, thirst. It's a place of eternal separation uh, from all that's beautiful and all that's godly. Hell's a place of eternal separation in the pre- from the presence of God, which is probably the most horrible thing about hell. Hell's a place prepared for the devil and his angels and all those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Hell will be for eternity. Hell will be a horrible place to spend eternity. And I can't think of one, I can think of one thing worse than going to hell. And that's like this young man here, or maybe he was a middle-aged man, that had heaven on his mind, but he went to hell. Does that really happen? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Judas Iscariot kissed the door of heaven and went to hell. He kissed Jesus. John 10, 9 says that I am the door, Jesus speaking. Uh, Felix, uh, he looked uh, unto salvation, but he wanted to wait for a more convenient time, Acts 24, 25. Herod Agrippa, he stepped up to the very door of heaven and he turned away, Acts 26, verse 28. Festus, he heard the claims of the gospel and called them, uh, them the ravings of a madman, Acts 26, verse 24. As far as we know, every one of these men went to hell when they were so close. And some of them thought probably they were saved. Here's a man, and I want you to notice this man. He had heaven on his mind. He really wanted to go to heaven, but he wasn't willing to pay the price to go to heaven, and that's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ only. He had some things all wrong about salvation. He thought salvation was something else, and I want to give you that. First of all, I want you to notice in verse 17 his status. He had a privilege. The Bible says that he was a man that was rich. You know, uh, that's a privilege. We're we're privileged to live in America. I'll give you the stats tonight, but I want you to know that 3 billion people wake up 
in the world wondering where they're going to get their next meal. That's 54% of all the world lives in poverty. It's equal to about $5 a week is what they earn. And folks, I've seen it in the ghettos of South Africa. I've seen it in Arequipa. Folks, you are comparatively speaking rich. America's, or uh, the person that makes the minimum wage in here, it makes maybe five times as much as anybody in the world. And sometimes we have to whine and complain about what we don't have. Well, this man had it all. He had riches, but folks, he had money, but he didn't have what money cannot buy. Money cannot buy peace. Money cannot buy joy. Money cannot buy eternal life. And money cannot buy your salvation. You must be born again. He had a position. The Bible says in Luke 18, 18, he was a ruler. And most likely he was an influential ruler or leader in the synagogue. And so maybe the Lord knew his motive, and I know he knew his motive. He might have been coming there to just find some more information and not really want to get saved. But I believe this man really wanted to be saved. Then verse 20 tells us, that he answered and said, I've done all these things. And the Lord started listing the Ten Commandments, five of them, about his relationship with others. I guarantee you there was one that he didn't list because he knew he was really short on that, and that's thou shalt not covet. He was full of that, I guarantee you. But he had prestige. He was very moral. So he had the privilege of being rich. He had a position of being a ruler in religion, most likely. And he had the prestige of being very very formal. From outward appearance, this young man was riding high on the pinnacle of success. But I want to tell you something, friend. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his very soul? What does it profit a man if he possess a lot of things, but things possess him, and therefore he's ruled by money and not by God? In spite of everything he was going for him, this young man had one mighty big skeleton in the closet. And that was he did not know how to get saved. And the Lord told him how to be saved, and he said, no, no, thank you. I don't think I want that. I want you to see in verse 17, the last half part of it, the, uh, the part B of it, that it, we see his search. We see his status, but then we see him searching. First of all, he was concerned. He was very concerned. The Bible says, and when he was gone forth into the way, there, there came one running. Now that means he was in the way, probably walking down the street. He came running up to Jesus and he knelt to him, and he asked him, Good Master, what shall I do that I might inherit the uh, uh, eternal life? And so he came running. Uh, it shows that he had a sense of urgency. Uh, folks, everybody wants to be saved. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Uh, that's why if you ask a person today if they're saved in, in southeast uh, uh, United States, most people have been saved two or three times. But some people have never been saved because they equate salvation like this man equated it with works. He knelt and then he came uh, while the Lord was walking in the way and he came pondering the issue of eternity. He said, what must I do that I may inherit the eternal life? You know, no, most people don't think about death. Most people don't think about eternity. Yesterday as we was preparing to go somewhere for our anniversary and just have a beautiful day together in the sunshine and, and everything was going, we got that phone call. And a lot of times preachers get that phone call in the middle of the morning or late at night. But this was on a Saturday morning and 
Miss Cass said, I hate, I hate to text you, but uh, uh, Daryl's had a heart attack. I said, oh my, I'll be there in just a minute. And folks, I want to tell you something. He wasn't expecting to spend his day like that. He wasn't expecting to uh, be this close to eternity. He told me, uh, laying flat on his back after that stent that's, that opened up the artery and saved his life, he said, uh, I thought I was dying, preacher. I thought I was dying. And I want to tell you something, friend. No matter how much you're ready, you never expect it. You think we're going to live to be 105. But I want to tell you something. You're one heartbeat away from eternity. And by the way, most of you, the stressful jobs you have, you're closer to eternity than you've ever been. Amen? And most of us that are 75 pounds overweight, we're closer to eternity than we ever thought we'd be. Brother Wallace would have laughed at this after I left the emergency room and said, I'm going on a diet. He told me, he says, you're the only preacher I know that's been on a diet since I've known you. <laughs> and he used to kid me about that all the time. But I thank God on that Saturday afternoon that he trusted the Lord as his personal Savior and, and turned that football game off and knelt in his little old den and got born again. That's what counts, amen? That's more important than who won the football game, amen? It's probably the Georgia Bulldogs, and they win all the time, so I wasn't concerned about that, amen? No, he knows a lot of things, this man did, but he's a force that he, he and to admit that he does not know the way, the way to heaven comes to Jesus, and he has some thoughts on his mind of heaven, but it's appointed once to man to die, and after this is judgment, you better have your thoughts straight with God's thoughts. A lot of people think that if I, my goodness will outweigh my badness, then I'm all right. And here I want you to see, third of all, his confusion. His confusion. I see his concern. I see that he was very concerned about his eternal destiny. But there was confusion. Number one, in verse 17, it says, What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? What shall I do? Folks, the Bible says that it's done. The Bible said that Jesus said on the cross, teletasia. The Latin equivalent is consummatum. And that word out of the Greek is teletasia, but it means it is finished. Or it does mean this also, Paid in full. It was stamped on every bill. And when Jesus said it's finished, He was actually saying, paid in full. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. And folks, why in the world would Jesus have to die for our sins and take our place and die such a horrible death and be buried and then up from the grave arise if works would save you? We don't get saved by a ladder. We get saved by a cross. We don't get saved by works, we get saved by His work. And folks, I want you to know, he thought he could earn it. He said, what must I do? The whole world's do-oriented. I want to tell you what's the problem with the cults up the road. They want to do to get saved. They want to do to be saved. They want to do to get saved. You know what's wrong with religion in general? It's all men doing and men trying to get to God when God came to man. In the form of Jesus Christ our Lord. He thought salvation was a reward. And folks, I want to tell you something. Or a wage. But folks, the wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. And if you have to earn it, it ceases to be a gift. He had it all wrong. In his pharisaical training, he thought he had to do something. 
He wasn't approaching Jesus as the only Savior. He was saying, what can I do to save myself? He thought salvation was reward. Look at John chapter 10, verse 28. John chapter 10, verse 28. I was going to study during Sunday school. Brother Jack don't know this, but sometimes I'm studying while he's teaching, but I, I, I got a two-way mind, mostly one way. And every time I tried to study, Brother uh, Andrew said, Brother Wayne, would you read this? Would you read this? Would you? He had me reading more verses. Then he had me stand up and sing a solo, I mean a duet with him. We sang Living by Faith together. All those old folks that came here thought we was the greatest singers in the world. Amen. So I hadn't studied as much as I usually do in Sunday school, so pardon my slowness of getting to the Scriptures, but it was a good Sunday school lesson. Hebrew, uh, John 10, 28 says, I give unto them eternal life. Did you see that? hear that? I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And then I like this, my Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So folks, when you're looking at Jesus, you're looking at God, and He came to us. And folks, it's not a reward, it's a gift. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God, say amen. But we'd get to heaven, we'd all think we'd something if we prayed through enough and kept our salvation and got baptized enough and uh, was religious enough, heaven would be a sad place because it'd be full of a lot of attainers. It might be full of a lot of entertainers, amen? But I want to tell you something, friend. We're saved by grace, plus nothing, minus nothing, amen? This man did not understand that. I love this verse in Titus. Would y'all turn with me, please? Titus chapter 3. I was meditating on it early this morning. And it said in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, but I never read 6 with it when I'm quoting it. So I want you to notice 5 and 6, it'll bless your heart. This talks about the only way to be saved. It says, not by works of righteousness, Titus. All the books of, uh, uh, with T's are together, and they're alphabetical. Does that help you? Amen, I can't find any of them. Amen, but anyway, I was, I was, I was turning fast when I was getting called on the read all the scriptures. Amen? And by the way, that's good, uh, teachers. You ought to use other people reading the scriptures. You know why? Because when they're reading, they ain't sleeping. Right. Let me go ahead and say that again. When they're reading, they ain't sleeping. Amen. So let them participate. Amen. Now I'll get some of y'all napping in Sunday school. But anyway, look at this. Uh, uh, Titus. Titus. I want you to look at it, please. 3-5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now look at verse 6. Which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. I like verse 7. That being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Amen? We're heirs. We didn't. We don't... We don't work for an inheritance. We have it given to us. We accept it by faith. Amen. How do you get saved? Believe the word of the giver. Acts chapter 16 verse 31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's not works. And so I see folks that he, uh, he was confused. But then I see the challenge in verse 18 and 19. Look at the challenge. And Jesus said to him, 
Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Rabbis did not allow anybody to call them good. They were sanctimonious enough to say, don't call me good. But God, Jesus said, don't call me good, God's good. And look at this, thou knowest the commandments, do, thou, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. So here's the challenge concerning the character of the Savior. He's the good master, praise God. He is not only just good, but He's the only master. He's the only God. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by Him. You need to believe right about Jesus to get saved. Look at John 8, verse 24, please. John 8, verse 24. In the Word of God. Don't you love the Word of God? Say amen. Amen. John, I'm glad you brought it and checked me out. Friend. Don't believe a word I said. Believe God's Word. Well, I hope you'll believe some of the words I say. But look at John 8, 24. The Bible says this. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am He, you shall die in your sins. Folks, he was saying, I'm the Messiah. I am God. You've got to believe in the deity of Christ to be saved. You can't just believe in a good teacher as this guy was approaching. You can't believe in a good master. You can't believe in a good religious rabbi. You can't believe in a priest, Mary, or a, a, a preacher, or anything to get saved. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. One preacher led this young uh, actor to the Lord from India. At the close of his conversation, the young man bowed his head and asked Jesus into his heart. And then when he finished, he looked at uh, the, the preacher and he said, Isn't it wonderful? Now I have Mohammed and Jesus too. Now folks, I want to tell you something. That's not salvation. You don't add him to a list of gods. You don't add him to just uh, one of the ways. He is the way. He is the truth. Then I see the concerning the condition of his soul. He said, listen, you're not saved by works. You're not saved by the law. He, lists the, he, he, says, Thou shalt, he started listing the first part of the Ten Commandments, which he knew he'd kept, but not totally. He didn't get to the last part about his, uh, his, the, first, the first commandments about the relationship with God. <coughs> thou have no other gods before me, and, and thou shalt not covet. He just did the relationship uh, love one another. And he knew he kept that, but he said that's not enough. You know, the law is a mirror. The law is a miracle. I want you to turn to uh, Galatians 3.24, please. Galatians 3.24. I know I'm showing you a lot of verses, but I want to show you a lot of verses to prove that you, there's only one way. And it's not by works, lest any man should boast. Amen. But look at uh, Galatians, Galatians. The whole book's about this, but I want to give you Galatians 3.24 real quick. The Bible says this, Wherefore the law was a schoolmaster. How many love your teachers? Say amen. Okay, good. Especially the teachers. They're raising hands. They love themselves. Praise God. It's good. Uh, <clears throat> you ought to love your teachers. Amen. You ought to give them an apple a day. Say amen, Miss April. You ought to do something for them. Amen. You ought to appreciate. Teachers are underpaid, and they make a difference in our children's lives. You ought to pray for them every day. Thank God for godly teachers. Thank God for teachers that reverence God. But the Bible says, Wherefore the law was a schoolmaster, a teacher, to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. It brings us to Christ. 
but not in Christ. Let me just give you this thought. The law is a mirror that shows us how dirty we are. But the mirror cannot wash us. Say amen right there. One purpose of the law is to bring the sinner to Christ. Conviction that you need Christ. If it wasn't for the law, you'd think you could keep it. But if you'll look at the Ten Commandments, it'll teach you that you broke one. And the Bible says in James chapter 3, <coughs> excuse me, excuse this pollen, it's wrapped around both vocal cords. If you break one, you break them all. If you fall short of the glory of God, and this is my point, the law can bring a sinner to Christ, but the law cannot make the sinner like Christ. Only the grace of God can. Amen. Say amen. And I feel so sorry for these people that on Saturday night have this mass and they keep all these penances and laws and worship Mary. And I feel so sorry for the first Baptist, second Baptist, third Baptist, and fourth Baptist that think they're saved because they joined a church. Or I feel sorry for a Whitfield Baptist church member that joins the church and thinks that's enough. I feel sorry for the church of Christ that believe you can get baptized into Christ through water baptism. No, the Spirit of God, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, says that you're baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit of God. I feel sorry for that. Listen, I want to tell you something, friend. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but you can put Chanel number 5, and you can put a ribbon around the neck, of the prettiest pig in town. But it'll go back to the slop every time. With the Chanel number five on them, they'll go whoop, right to the slop. That's their nature. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I'm going to tell you something. You can put, comb a person's hair in a casket, a corpse, put makeup on them, perfume on them. I hope that's a woman that they're doing that to. It looks pretty good, but he's still dead. Outward does not save you. No matter how much you reform, folks, listen, because that's what a corpse does, dies and decays. That's what a pig does. That's his nature. Folks, I want to tell you something. Our nature's sinful. And the only way that we can be saved is receive a new nature, a divine nature, the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual relationship, not some dead religion. It's not keeping the law. It's realizing we broke the law and that Jesus fulfilled the law and we're saved by grace through faith. Lest we'd get to heaven in both. See, we can never get right with God until we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what this man's problem was. You can be moral, religious, and decent. You can treat others with dignity and respect and tender care. But none of these will make it right with God. You must be born again. And then I see, last but not least, his sorrow. I see his sorrow. Verse 21. That Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Did you see that? He loved him. Thank God he wasn't trying to be mean. He wasn't trying to be mad. He wasn't trying to make him sad. He loved him. And I want to tell you something. The preacher that loves you will teach you the correct way to be saved. Not through religion. Not through ritual. Not through good works. But folks, he loved him enough to tell him, you're wrong, you're lost. Look at it. 
Verse 21, he said, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said to him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. And, when he, and listen to this, and he was sad at that saying, and he went away greed, for he had great possessions. I see the Lord's compassion. He loved him. And then folks, listen, he said, hey, listen, I love you so much that I, I will in no wise cast you out, but you must come to me the right way. And I see the Lord's confrontation. Folks, Holy Ghost will confront you with your sin nature. Our great-great-grandparents was not some baboon or in the Grant Park Zoo. Our great-grandparents is Adam. And Adam sinned. And thus, sin passed among all men, say amen. Well, we got an Adamic nature from our grandparents. We're sinners by nature. If you don't believe it, a child will start lying before he can talk. Why? There ain't nothing wrong with them, amen. They just want some attention, amen. And folks, sometimes they're wet, sometimes they're hungry. In my case, I was always hungry. And I want to tell you this, friend. We need to realize that that little baby has a sinful nature. He wants his way. You put a little toy in a room, and there's 48 other toys in the room, and that, and, and that baby's playing with all 48 of them, but he's got one in his hand. Another baby comes up and grabs that one. There's 48 toys behind him. They'll fight over that one toy. Bunch of sinners. Amen. They'll fight over that one toy. Give me that. That's mine. Amen. And we're all that way. Say amen. We got a sinful, selfish nature. And folks, I want you to know the Lord called him. And he said, turn your back on everything. Give me your heart. Because listen, friend, he don't do that for every sinner. In this case, he knew this man's heart. You don't have to give up your riches to get saved. But I want to tell you something. If that's your God, you do. If that's your point of pride, you do. Because that point of pride is keeping you from trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. And they'll have no other gods before Him. I'm not saying lordship salvation. I'm saying, friend, you need to come to God with your whole heart. It's not just a flare prayer saying, Lord, save me. I want a place in heaven. It's giving your life to Christ. This man's riches was his God. Folks, his religion was his God. And when that man heard that, he was so sad. Look at Isaiah 45 and verse 22. Or I'll just read it to you. Look it up later. Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. And folks, may I say, there's no other way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so folks, we see this man made an earthly decision. He said, I think... My God's not worth giving up money, riches, wealth. I just wanted to add you, Lord, as one of my trophies. I wanted to add you as a token on my journey of religion. And folks, God will not fit in with your religion. God will not fit into your mold. Let me just say it this way, because I often didn't understand this, this story myself. You have to come to Jesus on His terms not your terms. I've heard this often while I'm out soul winning. Well, I'll get saved when I get good and ready. And they say it kind of errantly. And so one guy said, and it's none of your business. I want to tell you something, sir. It is my business. God's called me to preach. Amen. I want to know if you die today, you go to heaven. I say it a little nicer than that. 
But I want to say this, friend. It's God's business. And He knows your heart. And you don't come when you get ready. You come when He's ready, and He's ready today. Some people say, well, let's make a deal. Folks, it's not let's make a deal. It's receiving the gift of eternal life and giving your life to God. It was an earthly decision, but it ended up being an eternal decision. And folks, let me ask you a question. You think that in all honesty, that any work can satisfy the justice of God. And folks, sin is an attitude of heart. It's a rebellion of heart against God. And there is no trinket of works that's going to satisfy the justice of God. There's no way on this earth that you can offer anything religiously, any penance, any action, any Hail Marys or Hail Pope or whoever that's going to satisfy the justice of God. The wage of sin is death. And sin is not just doing something. It's an attitude of rebellion against God. And so when we come to Jesus, we got to say, Lord, I have nothing to offer you. And we come humbly and say, I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry, and my good works, my clean living, and my good name's not enough. You might have a lot going for you. But do you have Jesus or heaven on your mind, but are you going to hell instead? And I'll just say this, friend, in closing. We need to get a burden for the religious but lost. I said the religious but lost. Much less the people in cults up here. If you'll go by this afternoon, that place will be packed with Hispanics from all over North Georgia. And they believe that Jesus is a created being. I'm talking about Jehovah Witnesses. Hey, folks, if you go up the street uh, on Saturday, you'll find out the Seventh-day Adventist Church is full of doctors and lawyers and all the affluent of this, of this community. But they believe if you don't tithe and you don't keep the Sabbath, you're not saved. Helen White was their prophetess, and she made that law. Well, I'm going to tell you something, friend. We don't have no law except this book. And there is no prophet like Jesus. There's no word like Jesus. And we don't go by the Bible plus Helen. We don't go Bible plus Joseph. We don't go Bible plus Russell. Folks, we go Bible plus nothing. Amen. It's all God's word. And it's all his instruction. Folks, we don't go Bible plus Mary. We don't go Bible plus Pope. We don't go Bible plus preacher. We go Bible only, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus left us the whole canon of the Scriptures. And folks, if you reject this, you reject Him. And the Bible says there is no other way unto heaven whereby we must be saved but the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because we could not pay the debt. He paid it all. He died on the cross and shed His blood. And He is the divine substitute. He is our Savior and He's our only hope. And so if you leave here sorrowful, it's your fault. If you leave here religious but lost, if you leave here a good man or a good lady, and I'm sure all of you are, you're in your Sunday best and you're here on Sunday morning, God bless you. But if you don't trust the Lord as your Savior, you will go away grieved and you could go away into eternity of hell forever and ever Church, we need to get a burden for the religious 
but lost. A couple of Sunday mornings ago, I was longer than that, probably about a month ago. This has been a whirlwind of a year, I'm telling you. I don't even know where I'm coming or going. But I was going to church. No, I'll tell you what I was doing. I already went to church, and I was going to another church, and then I was going to go to the third church because my son-in-law was about to kill me with this uh, schedule he had for me. He said, you're going to preach in grace, you're going to preach in new life, you're going to preach at Sweto, and you're going to preach at the 4 o'clock service, you're going to preach at... I said, are you going to preach my funeral tomorrow? And, you know, I didn't know what in the world I was doing. But every time we changed churches, I mean, I'd have to quit a little early and run to the next church or drive to the next church. All over the ghettos and these little houses with no indoor plumbing and, and five or six families living in that one little square, they were all dressed up. You remember that, Miss Connie, Miss Brunel, y'all been there? And they're all dressed up and all the ladies are in the white dresses and these men are in these black long suits and they're, right, they're walking along in the ghettos and the, they call them townships. And I said, what are they doing, Mark? He said, they're going to church. I said, I thought we was in heathen South Africa. He says, no, this is a religious place. But see, what they're doing, they're going to church and worshiping their ancestors. And they're worshiping works. And they're going to hell dressed up with heaven on their mind. And what I want to beg you this morning to do is don't go to hell with heaven on your mind. Come to the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And His name is Jesus Christ. Father, thank You for the message. Use it for Your glory. And thank You, dear God, for clarifying that this man's heart was not receptive as it seemed on the outward crust. And Lord, that He was coming on His terms and not Your terms. Lord, thank you for that your terms is you paid it all and that you've accomplished it all and you shed all your precious blood for us and all we have to do is believe and receive and give our life back to you which is our reasonable service because you created us in the first place. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Thank you for the gospel that's the power unto salvation. Thank you, dear God, that only through the blood is there remission of sin. And only by grace are we saved through faith.